Welcome to Auckland Conversations, ideas for becoming the world's most livable city. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to commence our opening of our forum with a, uh, a himine and with a karakia and followed by a mihi and a waiata. And because many of you have been to probably a, quite a few hui over the last 20 years, you should know this himine called so those of you who know it, kapai, those of you who may just be learning it for the first time, that's just as good. So let us please stand and sing this waiata, he honore he kororia. He honore he kororia, mangarongo ki te whenua,
Ai te mea tutahi māku e mihi nei nā ki tō tātou matunu i te rangi. I tukuna mai tēni tāhua tango tēni rā, he rā a tāhua, ko ia te timatanga me ta hakamutunga unga mea katoa. Nā reira e mihi nei rā ki ngā aroha, ki o tātou ngā tini mate, ngā tini aitua, hinga mai nei hingātou. Nā reira koutou, o ngā mare maha, o te kainga mai te hiku o tika te upoko, te waka paunamu. Aroha atu kia koutou, tō koutou haere ake ki tō o te aere ki te kainga hakamutunga, a mō tātou te tangatanga. Haere, haere, haere atura. Kuri nō kia tātou e hui hui mai nei, koutou rā i ngā rangatira, ngā kaihautu, mai te hiku o tika te upoko, Te waka paunamu, ko koutou ngā haue whāko te tūmai tēni wā, ki te haere ngā mai tēnei, ki te tautoko ake te kananga a tātou kūpaparangatira. Nā reira, e te minita, e mihi nui atu ki ako. Te nā koe tō taenga mai i wainga nui i tā mātou haukainga, me tā tātou ngā manu hiri ko te tūmai tēni wā. Haere mai. Haere mai ki tō hononga nā ki tō tātou whānu e noho ai, ko hari ake te ngākou, ngā kai hautu o tēnei, tēnei hui huinga, te kite i ākoe ko tai mai. Nā reira nau mai, nau mai haere mai. Nā reira huri noa, huri noa ki a tātou, a tēnā koutou, a tēnā koutou. Kia ora mai tātou, katoa. Nā māku e hakamāra mai i roti i te reo, pākeha ki a mōhio ai koutou aku kōrea. My name is Richard Nahi, and I'm, I'm from the tribe of Ngāti Whātua, uh, but not only from Ngāti Whātua, but also connected to various tribes in Hauraki. It's an honour and a privilege to be able to come here today to extend um, a warm welcome to everybody and acknowledging all the wonderful organisers of this event who have brought this all together. So it's an honour and a privilege to be able to come here, to be asked to come here and to open up this hui and even more so to welcome not only all of you who are from here, from Tamaki Makoto and from all over, but also to the minister, Tenakwe. So on behalf of us here who have gathered, Tenni te mihiaka nina ki akwe i Teniwa, Tenakwe. Nā reira koutou i te whānau, Tenakoutou, a Tenakoutou. Ki oro mai tātou katou. Papaki mai Mangmaru nunui Wawaratia Ratai rere Eripoe Mangmaru nunui Terehutai Nā reira koutou e mana whenua. Ko kai ki te wā te honunga i tā tātou whakaaro me ngā kōrero, me ngā kōpapakatu. Mōhio nei mātou e pāna tō koutou mahinga popai. E pāna te mea te honunga, kei raro te mea te tiriti o waitangi nā ko koutou wena. Ko tino ātāhua tēnei tau, te haere ake ki waitangi. E pāna te hononga, e pāna ngā whakāro mō ngā tonga wātea. Nā reira, urinō ki a tātou e hui hui mai nei, 
tenakuto, tenakuto, kero mai anora tato katoa. Ai kahuri. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, there's a wonderful uh, video that's about to be shown uh, for the opening of this wonderful occasion. So if I can now pass this time over to this, the technology of this video that's about to be shown. Kero mai tato. about the ocean right on the doorstep of New Zealand's biggest city. There's actually a huge marine park that goes far beyond what we can see, with some spectacular creatures too. We're taking you on an amazing adventure to my favourite place in the whole wide world, the incredible Hauraki Gulf Marine Park. people know where the Hauraki Gulf Marine Park or Te Kapo Moana actually is, so we're going to fly all the way around it to show you just how massive it is and why we love it so much. From above the water and of course from below. But before we head out too far, I've got to show you something amazing. Just out past the Sky Tower is Rangitoto, New Zealand's youngest island, about 650 years old. And right next door to it is Motutapu, one of New Zealand's oldest islands, which is over 160 million years old. Wow, how cool is that? The water just out from Auckland is nearly always green. This is one reason why the inner gulf is so special. Some of that green colour is phytoplankton, kind of like tiny microscopic plants which is a massive food source for small animals, which can be eaten by some huge animals like brooders whales. Te Kapa Moana is one of only a couple of places in the whole world that has a resident population of brooders whales. They love it so much that they can be found here all year round. to fly over Coromandel Peninsula to get all the way to the southern end of the marine park. Check out these islands. These are the Alderman Islands. Wow, check out that fur seal chasing the fish down below us. Look how manoeuvrable it is. Fur seals were almost hunted to extinction, and it was uncommon to see them. But now the regular visitors in Tikapo Moana, and their numbers are quickly coming back. 
Peninsula is also really popular with visitors. And it's easy to see why with beautiful beaches and harbours like this. Orca often visit here too as they hunt for their favourite delicacy, eagle rays and stingrays, which they gently pick up to avoid the rays' dangerous stings. Further off the coast in summer, schools of smaller fish arrive, and with them larger fish like marlin turn up for this annual feast, followed by gannets that dive into the water like rockets to grab these tasty treats. Other animals arriving for this feast are false killer whales and bottlenose dolphins that are always found together. Tikapa Moana is like a whale highway and a quarter of all the dolphin and whale species in the world have been found here. False killer whales are really messy eaters and an animal that loves the scraps are black petrels which follow them around and pick up any pieces of fish left behind. There used to be millions of black petrels all around New Zealand, but now the only place they nest in the whole world is here, high in the mountains on Aotea and Hauturu Islands. In summer, just outside some of the harbours, large schools of bronze whaler sharks can sometimes be found right up in the shallows. Don't worry, it's safe to swim here. They're here because they love eating fish. Bronze whalers are the most common large shark found around the coast too, and we love seeing them in the water. There's a huge school of trevally feeding right below us. Schools of feeding fish like this are common to see on the surface around most of the outer islands of the Gulf. Islands are one of our favourite places to visit, and I love feeding the friendly Sandagas wrasse. The islands are out in deep water, and you never know what you might see. Tropical visitors like turtles and manta rays are often found here. They've travelled down here on an ocean current called the East Auckland Current that passes right through the Hauraki Gulf Marine Park. Goat Island was the very first marine reserve in all of New Zealand, and it's amazing. Marine reserves are kind of like wet libraries, with lots more fish and life found inside than outside their boundaries. This is because everything is fully protected here. They give a tiny glimpse of what the Gulf used to look like before people started fishing. But there's a number of serious issues Te Kapo Moana faces. We reckon that with your help, we can ensure it's even better in the future. We're stoked to show you why we love this place so much. Te Kapo Moana is a stunning and unique part of New Zealand. How phenomenal is our backyard? how to follow on from that.
but we'll give it a go. Kia ora Steve uh, and Riley, that was a stunning piece put together, absolutely beautiful, and kia ora Richard too for uh, the mihi setting us up for what is uh, ahead. Ah, oh, wow. Good evening, everyone. Ko Clark Afentakuingawa, ko Hekorangi Taku Maunga no Tairafati Aho. If you followed that, you might be thinking, bro, you're a long way from Gisborne being up here. But Gisborne Mahi, where I grew up, was where I grew my love of the ocean. But it wasn't until I moved here to Auckland and sort of really understood the ecology of the ocean on our back door and what the Hauraki had to offer that I really started to understand how everything fit into place and the patterns of flora and fauna that we saw in that video there all start to work together and how things can be upset if they end up slightly out of balance. In fact, I have the golf here to sort of uh, thank for my second coming. I'd moved to Auckland for a bit of an urban adventure, if you will, and uh, I had uh, sort of inherited an old family boat and it helped me reconnect with the ocean where I discovered that being a working DJ, it was more fun to get up at five in the morning and go out on the water than it was to come home at five in the morning. Uh, and through that, I started making my background in TV and radio, I started making little clips of my experiences. I wanted to share some of that, although not quite to that quality, that was amazing, uh, with other people. And then a documentary filmmaker got in touch, he was a friend of mine, and we started my current series, Fish uh, of the Day, which uh, now plays in over 80 countries around the world as a National Geographic title. And the very first episode we ever did was the story of Kahawai here in the Gulf. And so I very much have the Gulf to thank uh, for providing me the platform and for being so accessible and so here and so absolutely worthwhile to uh, look after. Now, I'm very conscious of the fact that uh, we are uh, we're incredibly lucky to have the golf, and I've also skipped ahead past the housekeeping, got a little bit excited and ahead of myself. So just to run through that, in the unlikely event of an emergency, there is an exit down the back, uh, easy to locate from here. There are bathrooms located down through the corridor in case you haven't found them out to the side. And finally, uh, mobile phones. We're not asking that you turn them off, just that you turn them to silent because your mobile phones can help you participate in the Q&A that we have ahead. And we have a, a wonderful little platform called Slido which I'll tell you how to operate. It is very, very easy, so I'm told. Uh, I'd like to thank our Auckland partners, South Base Construction, our design partner, Razine, and all our program supporters for the night ahead. If this is your first time at an Auckland Conversations to the Uninitiated, it is an opportunity to inspire and stimulate your thinking about the challenges facing Auckland. And what a perfect setting and a perfect time frame to be having this discussion tonight, given that it is the 20th year anniversary of uh, the Horaki Marine Park. So thank you for joining us tonight here in person and online where it is available and will be available into the future. Okay, so the order of events for tonight, the format, if you will. We will shortly have an introduction of the 2020 State of Our Golf Report uh, by Hauraki Golf Forum member Moana Tamariki Pohi, uh, and then a keynote from the Minister of Cons Conservation, Eugenie Sage, which I'm very much looking forward to as well. Uh, we will have a panel of experts and ocean lovers that will be joining me up here on stage. We will be taking your questions. To, to um, engage in these questions, there's a couple of ways. Uh, if you're looking at home or if you're on your phone, there is a simple website we'd encourage you go, to go to. It's slido.com, uh, S-L-I-D-O.com. There is a little event code, which is hashtag HGMP. 
hashtag HGMP, and you can uh, just tap your question into there, and we will do our best to get through as many of those as possible. Alternatively, there is a non-digital uh, fancy free way of engaging, which is called raising your hand. There are a couple of microphones that will be racing around to try and get to you, and we'll try and tackle some of those questions uh, as well. Uh, as I said, it will be available online, and there will be transcripts and captions going up as well, because we want as many people as possible to uh, engage in this process. I have three quick acknowledgements before we kick off in earnest. One of them, and this is fantastic news, it started earlier this week, the launch of the Hauraki Golf Regenerative Fund. This has been established by the Auckland Foundation. Now the fund is a way for the public to make donations to support and accelerate the regeneration of the golf, where you can give a little, with a bit of luck, or if you've been lucky, uh, to give a lot. Uh, the Auckland Foundation recognises the huge importance the golf holds for the communities that make up this wonderful city and the importance of its regeneration for our children's grandchildren and beyond. This is long story arc stuff into the future. They're talking 20 years plus. The goal is $10 million over the next five years and they've already identified areas of concern to start working on including climate adaptation and community action in local areas such as the uh, restoration of places like Ah. Uh, Okahu Bay and uh, Maharangi, and they also want to look at island biodiversity programs. So some incredible work that these guys are setting out to do, and it all kicks off this week and into the future. A second acknowledgement I'd like to give, and I understand that they're here tonight, Peter Burling and Blair Chuk. Uh, of course, I saw, the, saw them earlier, I'm just going to assume that they are still here. Uh, of course, have launched Live Ocean. It's uh, their charity, it's up online. If you haven't been to their website and seen it already, with a mission to amplify and accelerate positive action for our ocean, already highlighting wonderful um, our causes and concerns, including our Antipodean albatross. And uh, it, it must be, it, it's kind of nice to know that they are sitting here in the room tonight and we have that uh, up there in all its caged glory because of course come next March it would be nice to keep that up there given that the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron have built such a wonderful place for it. It would be a big empty hole should it uh, not been there. Uh, and of course they're, they're incredible technologically advanced mind-blowing um, vessels that are out on the water doing amazing stuff. On to tonight's conversation, but before I do, that artwork that you see, and I'm very, very pleased and excited to be able to make this connection tonight. It's artwork that has, uh, that it, I, I know that it has a place in our home. I know that it has place in classrooms everywhere. It, it comes out with the Herald and it is a wonderful resource. It gives me great pleasure to announce that we actually have the artist behind that artwork in the room tonight. I'm not sure if he wants to be embarrassed or not, but Dave Gunson, please raise your hands, wonderful. <laughs> Uh, and you will have found on your seat the 2020 updated edition celebrating 20 years of being a, a marine park. It's so great to have you here, Dave. I am not ashamed to admit that I have read and admire your posters over the years, and I have stolen information and passed it off as my own. It's a, it is a fantastic resource. 
into tonight's conversation, our gift to the golf, your part in protecting and improving the Hauraki Golf Marine Park for future generations. The Hauraki Golf Marine Park, New Zealand's only marine park, turning 20 here, um, here to provide for the people of Tamaki, Makoto, New Zealand, and of course international visitors that come here and enjoy it. As we've pointed out, home to 25 species of whale and dolphin, it is a global seabird hotspot. There are 26 sea, uh, species of seabird that rest and nest here. There are five species of seabird that only breed here. This is their only home. And as we've ascertained over recent times, birds are, they're, they're not, they're not dumb animals, they're smart animals, and there's a reason that they call this place home. It is their supermarket. It is their home away from home. They like to come here and rummage around in our shellfish beds and to steal shrimp and bait fish to fatten up to find a mate. We have visitors that cross continents just to park up here. This is almost their uh, equivalent of a batch in Omaha, a place to just sort of chill out. And so it is upon us to and make sure that we uh, have that habitat for them here to enjoy further and into the future. I mean, we have 20% of the world's entire seabird species that do visit and call by here. It's just a remarkable figure uh, in itself and something that is uh, well worth protecting. And they can, they can afford a little bit of protection in our predator-free Gulf Islands, now 45 of them in the Gulf that do provide sanctuary, not only for our visiting friends, but for our native birds as well. Uh, Kokako, Kiwi, uh, there's, one, there's a Tuatara population on Hoturu Otoi, which I've been over and I've seen them rummaging around in the, in the scrap heap of the ranger's hut. And it's just, when you get to go over there and spend a little bit of time, it's, it's almost an emotional experience seeing New Zealand native bush the way it's intended to be. And I felt very lucky to have, have been up, able to do that. However, and here's the kicker, as we commemorate the 20th anniversary, we must also reflect on the impact that we've had on our cherished marine park. The once mighty ecosystem is suffering. Uh, suffering. The decimation of shellfish beds we've seen, low fish stocks, there's a seabed littered with plastic, there's areas that have been bottom trawled into a desert, we have sediment issues and we have increased pressure from development and tourism. The creep of shifting baselines is upon us, where what we might think of as a good day out seeing wildlife or catching fish is nothing on what it used to be. And look, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, in what I do in sharing positive ocean stories because you need to give people a little bit of hope to go forward with, you know, so that that doesn't all become doom and gloom. But we are amongst family, and uh, every now and then it is good to, to have a bit of inward reflection and look and ask ourselves some hard questions about things that aren't going well and things that we could be doing better. And I, I'm, I love learning about the biomass of the Gulf and what it was like, looking back through old catch um, history records, talking to old commercial fishermen about how good it was, and trying to, trying to um, lay that out for people so that they can get a feeling for the fact that they used to catch bass off Tiriturri Matangi, that we used to, uh, that they once caught a tiger shark off Takapuna Beach, that we used to have, um, old Bill Hohipa used to catch hapoka off Anchorite Rock. Um, in fact, they would have been a, a large part of the ocean inshore ecology playing a role here, and they were all fished out to much deeper water. Um, of facts like the fact that Miola Reef used to be covered in crayfish, you know? Now we just sort of think of it as an area where we go and walk our dogs and pick up after them. Uh, that, in fact, crayfish were so prevalent, I read this wonderful story of um, early settlers' children used to fish them out of the rock pools with pitchforks at low tide. Crayfish are designed to survive a whole tide change out of water. We had so many of them here that they didn't all fit, and some of them would get pushed out at low tide. 
And we talk about New Zealand being the land of the long white cloud or the land of um, seabirds. It was actually once upon a time the land of oysters as well. In fact, the first ever fisheries legislation that came in in this country was in 1866 and it was right here in Auckland because we had the most magnificent oyster beds all here in the harbour. This might sound crazy, but we used to harvest the oysters from here and they would be sent down into the deep south. They were considered a much finer flavour than the oysters they were finding uh, down in Bluff. Uh, which is just remarkable when you think back to what it must have been like where, uh, before um, those changes came through. And so when you start piecing these stories together, you start to think, what was it like? What was it like when we had muscle beds, as far as the eye could see, that used to turn over the water so regularly that it used to run clear? What was it like before the pear trawlers nearly wiped the snapper out in the 1970s? Or the incredible deep water corals that were reportedly existed through that Colville Channel that used to foul trawlers' nets? What must it have been like when we used to have great boil-ups of pilchards that were here in the Gulf before they all caught herpes in the 1990s from Australia, which is a, a true story. And what must it have been like when great flocks of seabirds used to transfer the protein from the sea up back into the hills, which allowed rare grasses and, and flaxes and other things to flourish that required the bird droppings to create the perfect conditions for them to thrive. And if I can just finish and get cracking into this by putting a positive spin on it, what we have here in New Zealand is incredible. We are in the Goldilocks zone of ocean. The beautiful temperate waters that we have, I liken to a floating agar jelly dish, where if we can find ways to relax and look after, things bounce back very, very quickly. We are just this, this wonderful sort of bubbling existence of life, and right in the centre of it, the linchpin to, uh, to, that, that marks it all, where the rich waters from the harbour flow out and they meet uh, as Steve talked about in the video, the, that eastern current line that comes down is just the, 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 the crux, the jewel, if you like, of where all life, marine life in New Zealand uh, really concentrates. It's a fantastic place and it is right here on our doorstep and we owe it to ourselves and to our kids and to the future to look after it. So, here to report on the state of our golf in 2020, I'd like to welcome to the stage our first a speaker, and she will be a panellist uh, later on this evening, Moana Tamariki Pohi. We stand at the Waitemata and this is my this is my dream. Kia ora and thank you for being here tonight. It's uh, really lovely to be here with you all. My name is Moana Tamariki Pohe. I'm from Orake and I'm from uh, Nangere. And I often say that I have one foot in the Waitemata and one in the Manuko, and I'm from everywhere in between. I'm currently a member of the Hauraki Golf Forum and I get this honour tonight to speak to you because I was the deputy chair at the time that, the, um, that this report was produced. I want to say a big thank you to the Wonder Team, Shane Kelly, Roru Kirikiri, Karina Sim-Smith and Sean Lee for producing such a great report, for beautifully weaving together Mātauranga Māori and science, for capturing the efforts of so many. Again, thank you. 
It's my absolute pleasure to launch this State of Our Golf 2020, Hauraki Golf Te Kapamwana, Te Mwananuia Toi, State of the Environment Report. A bit of a mouthful. This is the sixth such report in the 20-year history of the Hauraki Golf Forum. Each previous report looked at the environmental changes over a three-year period. This report um, is the first to take a longer 20-year snapshot. Sandra Gowdy would much prefer us to shorten it again, but this is as short as we got it. And as the report uh, with you tonight shows, a lot's happened in 20 years. The first good news, and you'll like this, Rochelle. Slower ship speeds have helped prevent ship strikes of the Brutus whales. Pest eradication on the Mutu and native regeneration efforts have been spectacularly successful, allowing the return of species like Wetapunga, Tuatara, many endangered birds like the Kōkako, Takahe and Kiwi. Many more people from all walks of life are now playing an active role in restoring and protecting the Gulf, taking important steps like riparian planting, eliminating plastic and the beach cleanups. And much more is now known about our unique environment of the Hauraki Marine Park. Thanks in part to these reports. However, as you know, it's not all good news. Environmental degradation continues on a daily basis, and Clark pointed out some of these. Crayfish are now hard to find in heavily fished areas of the Gulf. Sediment, nutrients, chemicals, and plastic continue to wash into our water. Though efforts to improve the water quality are gathering pace. Both seabirds and shorebirds have seen sharp rises and the number of species classified as threatened. Cockle numbers have declined in every area where gathering is allowed all year round. The number of marine pests have more than doubled with the arrival of invasive species like the Mediterranean fanworm. Kinnabarans are replacing once lush kelp forests. An urban and coastal sprawl has expanded, driven by higher than expected population growth, meaning wild places are harder to find. The report also highlights some mixed news on the fishing front. No surprises there. Total commercial fishing catch in the Gulf has increased compared with 20 years ago, while total recreational catch has fallen. Fish stocks overall remain low, though some are now rebuilding, such as Tamure, Snapper and Tarakihi. After six such reports, there can no longer be any debate about the impact on our big or should I say our green backyard. The only question now is with uh, what will we do about it? Which brings me to the forum and you. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the present members. Co-Chair, Councillor Pippa Coombe, local board members, Kath Hanley, Balmain Tuki and Scott Milne, Mayor Sandra Gowdy, Councillors Wayne Walker, John Watson, Christine Fletcher, Dennis Teg, Donna Arnold, Anne-Marie Spicer and Rob Maguire, and Minister's representatives Andrew Bulkey, Martin Maria Suse, Andrew Bell, and Tangata Whenua members Paul Majuri, Nicola McDonald, Mooks Honek, and Dean Ogilvie. Nga mihi nui ki I'd like to acknowledge recently retired members Leanne Namani, John Trujida, and, and Mike Lee for their long and dedicated service to the Kopapa and to also acknowledge John Mewson, Dal Minogue and Richard Hills who recently retired from the um, forum.
There have been many past Tauraki Golf Forum members, all who contributed enormously. Also, I thank executive, past executive officers Tim Hyam and Katina Konamos for an amazing job, and a special thanks to the current executive officer extraordinaire, Alex Rogers. Thank you all. The Hauraki Golf Forum is made up of 21 members, 12 members from six councils, three representatives of the ministers, conservation, fisheries and Māori development, and six tangata whenua, um, tangata whenua representatives. All members are in positions of influence, each and every one of them. So I choose to relate to this group of people as movers and shakers, people that will push the boundaries, advocates for change and the ultimate champions for the Hauraki Golf, Tikapa Moana Te Moana Nui Atoi. In my 10 years of involvement with the Hauraki Golf Forum, I've heard on numerous occasions that the Hauraki Golf Forum is toothless and has no legislative powers. To that I say rubbish. I like to think of the forum along with you all as a shark with a mouthful of razor sharp teeth and a big bite. And when one tooth has lost another, effective, tough tooth replaces it. There are more people who, there are more people who do not have legislative powers that are toothless in this room tonight than those that do. And yet, you have made and continue to make an incredible contribution to revitalising our tānga. We don't need an act, we need to act. We need to be willing to get our butts wet, to get out of the spectator seats and paddle our waka, to take action. There are so many people doing so many great things in this place that we love, because they can and because they care. There are so many champions already and a few of my favourite collaborative projects include volunteer speed reduction to reduce Brutus whale strikes, Ports of Auckland, Auckland Uni and Rochelle. The New Roy Tefano and the Noises. I think visitors to, this to these majestic islands rival the number of visitors to Waiheke. There are so many supporters that visit those islands. And of course, close to my heart, Okahu Bay Restoration Project, Ngāti Whātu Orake, Auckland Uni, Auckland Council Healthy Waters, Orake Water Sports, Hauraki Sports, Auckland Canoe Club, Auckland Hall Out, Orake Marina, Muscle Farmer Jake um, Bartram, Ngāti Pāua, Komatu and Fano, and last but not least, Mrs Muscles herself, Rochelle Kahui McConnell. Collaborative projects have often been made possible by the generosity of community volunteers. I don't think we can thank them enough. And organisations like Tyndall Foundation and Foundation North's Gift Fund. It is important to acknowledge the dedication and efforts of mana whenua, government agencies, local government, philanthropic organisations, learning institutes, local businesses, community groups and individuals collectively committed to making a difference. And I'd like to make a special mention to the technical officers um, that we receive from the technical officers. They're amazing and extraordinary uh, backbones for all the work that we do from council and from the ministry staff. Whether you are in the foreground or in the background, every effort counts. Collaboration is key, working together for the greater good. At the Hauraki Golf Forum, 
2019 Making Waves Conference, Nick Sampson from Strategy and Principal Brand Agency fantastically facilitated an exercise of all the attendees and they were asked what they would say if they were the moana of the Hauraki Gulf, Te Kapa Moana, Te Moana Nui Atoi. I'll read for you their beautiful collective story, Healing the Hauraki Gulf Together, Let Us Be the Voice for the Voiceless. I am a living, breathing embodiment of Modi, the life force that connects us all, ki uta kitai, from the mountains to the sea. Look at me on a good day and all seems well, but the truth is I've been hurting. Shellfish beds decimated, fish stocks low, my seabed suffocated with plastic and sediment, a mighty ecosystem brought to its knees. The healing process will take time, hard mahi and cooperation. And it will also take more than just aroha. I need true, unrelenting partnership. One of the protections and active restoration. Every one of us has a role to play in this, but we'll also need workers to work as one. Only when my Modi is fully restored will this journey end back to where it began, a healthy, teeming, abundant taonga with kaimoana and opportunity for all. We'll have Modi order. I can be healed. I need you all by my side. Working together, our future looks bright. Let's be the voice of the voiceless. Our taonga tuku iho, our inherited treasure, te kapa moana, te moana nui atoi, Hauraki Gulf, needs us to stand up, speak up and take action, to channel our energy so the modi, the life force of the moana, is healthy and vibrant. After 20 years of the Hauraki Gulf Marine Park, it does feel like the tides are starting to turn for the better. Together we will achieve great results. We must think and act with our heads, our hearts and our hands. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Someone that has been amazingly supportive of the forum and demonstrates a willingness to think and act with her head, heart and hands is our next speaker. It is now my honour to welcome to the stage to speak on behalf of Central Government, our Minister of Conservation, the Honourable Eugenie Sage. Tēnā koutou katoa, tuia te rangi, tuia te papa, tuia te moana, a te watamata, a tika moana, e rongo te pou, e rongo te au. E nga reo, nga mana, nga rangatira mā, tēnā koutou, i te kaupapa e te pou, o te pou. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tato katoa. Can I acknowledge you, Richard and Ngāti Whātua, for your welcome? Thank you. Can I acknowledge members of the Hauraki Golf Forum, especially the Deputy Chair, uh, Moana. Uh, Councillor Pippa Coombe, uh, councillors and staff from Auckland Council, and thank you uh, for organising and hosting this function tonight. Parliamentary colleagues, Maya Lubeck and Erica Stanford. Members of the Waikato and Auckland Conservation Boards. Mia Gaudi from Thames Coromandel Council and other councillors. But can I acknowledge everyone who celebrates and cares for Ati Kapa Moana, Te Moana Nui Atoi. 
and can I, like Clark, acknowledge the magnificent people who share in an inspirational way the beauty of what lies under the waves. Dave Gunson with his 21 posters, Riley and Steve Hathaway and other videographers for bringing our marine space alive to those of us who don't uh, dive. It inspires aroha, it inspires respect, it inspires care. Today, as others have said, we're here to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Hauraki Gulf Marine Park. Ko te pataka kai o tikapa moana, te moana nui atoi. It is our only marine park in Aotearoa, New Zealand. It is the only um, area which is recognised as being nationally significant. Um, and it was a law that was passed in 2000 which was really innovative because it recognised Te Triti, it recognised the interests of Tangata Whenua, and it sought to overcome the legal and administrative boundaries that we impose by law through council boundaries on uh, the sea space. It sought to integrate the management of the natural, historic and physical resources of Te Kapa Moana, its islands and its catchments. It sought to establish objectives for management, and I think what Moana has talked about and the fact that the Act provides for these six State of the Environment reports, by establishing objectives and then measuring whether they are being achieved, we are actually in a much better position than if we hadn't had that legislation. The Act also recognises the historic, the traditional, the cultural and the spiritual relationship of Tangata Whenua with the Hauraki Gulf, Te Kapa Moana and its islands. And most importantly, the legislation seeks to protect and enhance the life-supporting capacity and the natural resources of Te Kapa Moana. So it's 20 years since the Marine Park was established, uh, 20 years since the Forum was established, and the critical role that Moana talked about of the Forum in being a vehicle for implementing these purposes in the law and these objectives um, across these boundaries. So this kaupapa of protecting and enhancing the ability of our seas in the Gulf to support life um, is really what is the focus of the State of the Environment report. And it is charting a, where we've come from and where we have to go. We, as others have noted, and Clark in particular, it is an opportunity to celebrate the, some of the successes over the last 20 years, but to reflect on how much more we need to do and the urgency of this work. And like Moana, I acknowledge Dr Shane Kelly, Ro Kaukuri, and the team that have put this um, sixth State of the Environment report um, together particularly the honesty, the frankness of their conclusions and the accessibility of the report with its many uh, graphics and uh, panel boxes. It's very easy to read and would encourage you to do so. As others have noted, one of the successes is with Brooders Whale and the fact that we have significantly reduced uh, the collisions because of that voluntary initiative by the shipping industry to reduce their speed. And another major success is the sustained work that has been done to free the islands of Te Kapa Moana, Te Moana Nui Atoi, from rats, stoats, possums, and those other mammalian killing machines. We, through collaborative efforts of Te Papa Atafai, conservation groups, um, iwi, and philanthropic support, 
may have meant that there are now 15 more islands than there were in 2000, which are free of introduced predators and are safe spaces um, for uh, birds, for uh, uh, plants, and spaces where species like tiaki have been reintroduced, spaces now that we have 45 of these islands, depending on whether you count some of the rock stacks, which can provide stepping stones for uh, birds to move across the Gulf and to um, move to the mainland. 30 years ago, Rangatoto's Putakawa forests were on their way to recovery after possums had been uh, eliminated. But rats eat an enormous number of seeds. So the recent elimination of rats means that these forests are now really recovering and birds are coming back of their own accord. And then you've got that revegetation that's occurring on Motutapu, Motuehi, and Motuora. So this is just a magnificent effort above the water. And that has only been possible because of collaboration. Those efforts inspire me. But as Moana, as Clark, um, and as the video have pointed out, in the marine space, the State of the Environment Report tells quite a different story. The continuing loss of species, habitat being overwhelmed by the impacts of our activities on land, whether it's the nutrients that are coming in from farming, the sediments as land developers seek to create our flat building platforms, um, the overfishing. The report tells of the gaps in information. What is the state of the scallop beds in the Gulf? We have anecdotal information, but we don't have the science. We've got kura, crayfish, becoming functionally extinct outside of marine reserves. The kelp forests replaced by kinna barrens because there aren't enough snapper there uh, to remove and eat the kinna. And despite the best efforts of fishers, species like the taiko, the black petrel, are still being caught in recreational and commercial fisheries in such numbers that that is likely to lead their population to continue to decline. We've had 10 mass mortalities of fish and shellfish over the last 10 years. A changing climate, rising sea temperatures is going to mean that is more likely um, to happen more frequently. Toxic algal blooms becoming more common. So what does it take to turn this around? Collaboration, I think, is something we can all celebrate and encourage more of, as Moana did. So we saw in 2013 the sea change, Taitimu Taipari, a collaborative process established by the former government. That led to the drafting of the Hauraki Gulf um, Marine Spatial Plan in 2017. And I acknowledge those of you in the room who have contributed a lot of mahi um, to that plan and that process. So that plan sets out to secure a productive and a sustainable future for Te Kapa Moana, Te Maunui Atoi, by taking a fresh look at its management and developing a roadmap for the future. And as Moana mentioned, the plan was in response to those uh, human pressures. So what government has done is established a ministerial advisory committee last year, uh, co-chaired by Paul Majuri and Kathleen, Catherine Harland, with a number of representatives, both of iwi and stakeholders, with support from Te Papa Atafai, the Department of Conservation and Fisheries New Zealand, to develop recommendations for ministers, myself and Minister Nash as Minister of Fisheries, about how we best respond to um, the Taitimu Taipari Hauraki Gulf Marine Spatial Plan and to prioritise some of the actions. So I'm really looking forward to the uh, Ministerial Advisory Committee's recommendations later this year. 
Those recommendations on their own won't be enough. Government, working with local government, needs to have an ongoing programme of work around fisheries management, habitat restoration, aquaculture, marine protection, protected species, ahumuana, marine biosecurity and governance. And the strategy covers all of those issues. It's things like support for mana whenua and local communities to manage their, co-manage their coastal areas, um, to enable mana whenua to fulfil their ancestral kaitiaki obligations and to restore that uh, really significant cultural, spiritual uh, relationship that tangata whenua have with the Gulf and its islands. One of the things that's inspired me is the tamata, uh, uh, Rahui Mataitai, which was just a local community effort north of Thames, uh, in the Firth of Thames, where the community said to Minister Nash, we need a rahui on the take of mussels, uh, cockles, pippi, that occurs over the summer with the influx, um, influx of visitors to the Coromandel. That was established very quickly, so bureaucracies can move fast, uh, and it is a temporary rahui from January through to July. The local community has ensured that the rahui has been um, implemented and they have enforced it. And they met with them earlier this week um, and with iwi. It's been a really successful initiative and I think it shows that sometimes if we do things quickly and if we experiment, we can achieve change on a smaller scale and that can encourage change um, elsewhere. But why is it in the marine space that we have less than half a percent of our uh, marine area protected uh, in marine reserves? Why is it that in the marine space there is so much argument about people's interests and rights and less about responsibilities? There is so much conflict here, we have got to get beyond asserting our rights and to think about our responsibilities to the domain of Tangaroa and endorse the Because we all share that interest in a healthy uh, gulf with abundant fisheries and marine life. Those eloquent descriptions that Clark gave of what the gulf was once like, we can get there again, but it means sharing, putting aside our assertion of rights. Um, would really like to see some ambitious vision, things like the fishing industry, offering to stop bottom trawling and other bottom damaging methods like Danish seining. To take that step that will inspire other action, and how wonderful um, would that be? It's land developers recognising that, yes, there are rules in the Auckland Unitary Plan, but they have a responsibility to really stop any sediment um, getting off the land. So the state of the Gulf Report sets out the challenge. We need to respond to that challenge to put the interest of Te Kapa Moana, Te Moananui, Atoi, at the heart of all of our actions so that the Gulf thrives for its own sake and for our sake in the present and in the future. No reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tato katoa. Thank you so much, 
Mr. Sage, for those words, uh, and Moana as well for, for laying that benchmark with the sixth report, creating just, you, you, as you pointed out, just an incredible baseline which we can look back on to go forward with and, uh, you know, uh, bringing us up to speed with where things are. Now, I'm conscious of time and I'm conscious that we have a fantastic lineup of uh, panel experts and ocean lovers, so I'll quickly bring them up to the stage and we will roll through to the next part uh, of the evening. Um, the first panellist is known to us because she uh, got to go up here and, and deliver the, the State of the Gulf report. Moana, I'd like to invite you back to the stage, please. Uh, involved with the Hauraki Golf Forum since 2010, our second panellist here who was probably the most excited around the news that the um, shipping was being slowed down for the Brooders Wales because she is a cetacean expert, uh, Associate Professor from the School of Biological Sciences and Institute of Marine Science. Please welcome Rochelle Constantine to the stage. And you'll already be familiar with our next panellist because uh, she was one half of that incredible video that we watched at the start. Her proud dad, Steve, is somewhere in the audience. And uh, Riley, if you haven't seen what she's done with Young Ocean Explorers, she is, she's fantastic. She's pretty much written off our generation and she's going into schools and just starting with the next generation and getting their heads around what we need to be doing to looking after this place. Uh, I cannot believe that you're 19 now, Riley. You're growing up so fast. Please uh, welcome to the stage, Riley. Hathaway. Uh, I spoke of muscles before and I did so with a little bit of nervous trepidation because there is an actual muscle expert here in the room as well, a professor of marine science from the University of Auckland, Andrew Jeffs. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, and she was so eager to be involved that she turned up early, left her shoes here, left and then came back again. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but I know that she's very enthusiastic about being here, uh, representing uh, Auckland Council. Pippa Coombe, who is the uh, Deputy Chair of the Environment and Climate Change Committee. She's a member of the local government's uh, New Zealand's National Council and is the new co-chair of the Hauraki Golf Forum. Pippa Coombe. Welcome. Let's, uh, we'll, st we'll just, we'll, we'll warm the panellists up with a, a, a generic question that they can all take a turn answering. I'll throw two questions uh, into the same pile and we can go down there uh, to get, get a little, to get to know you a little better. Um, so panellists, I'm going to ask each of you, what is the one thing that you love most about the Hauraki Golf? And what is the one thing that we can all do to help restore the health of, of the golf for future generations. What do you love most about the golf? What's the one thing that we can do to, to help? <laughs> I, we, I mean, someone can volunteer to go first. I know that none of you are short of words. Let's start, Let's start then. Well, Pippa, can you kick things off? I'm happy to start. Thank um, you, Andrew, thank you. The thing I like most is the smell. Uh, and uh, just that smell when you're on the coast and you smell that mm. sort of kelpy, salty smell, it just, ah, it just gets to me. It's, I don't know what it is, but it, Smells great. So yeah, that's what I like. Um, what can, what can we do to help the golf? Well, I think that's a really important question. I think everyone in this room can do something to help the golf, whether it's uh, writing to the minister to ask her to do more, or <laughs> um, just um, when you go outside picking up a piece of plastic wrapper uh, that could wash into the sea and become a, you know something that a fish eats. Or you know um, if you're a builder, just um, making sure when you you break your ground that you, you uh, prepare the ground properly so that you're not getting dirt washing out into the 
golf. So everyone can do something, and, and I think we've got to recognise that and promote that as much as we can. Fantastic. What a wonderful start, Andrew. Uh, Riley, would you like to go next? Yes. Um, <laughs> what do I love most about the golf? Um, that is a very tricky question. Um, I just love that every time I'm out in the water, um, there's something different to see, and it's always a different experience. Um, and it's pretty cool just to be able to say that I grew up going out um, there my whole life, and the amount of stories. Yeah, it's, I love the golf. Anyway, um, the what can we all do? I I was gonna say the same thing. I think every single person can do their little bit, and I love talking to kids about that. That no matter what it is that you can do, that is you know that is enough. And if we all do a little bit, then a lot can change. So. In terms of making a difference, just picking up rubbish or making sure that there's no rubbish on your streets so that you know that there's no rubbish from your area going into the water in your area. So, yeah. Lovely. Perfect. Rochelle? Um, the thing I love about the golf is how much life comes back here, no matter what we throw at it. So many animals come here and then leave here and come back here year after year and they teach their offspring how to do it either deliberately, with the case of cetaceans, or just through their genes. They return home, this is their home, no matter how badly humans treat it. And that's something very powerful for me because I study big things. So, you know, whenever I go out there, I'm like, you're back, wow, I love that. And what can we all do? Um, I, I think we need to get better at having courageous conversations I think we need to stop standing in the corners and yelling at each other. And I think we need to come to the middle and we all need to compromise. We've heard about the, the brooders, whales and ship strike. That's exactly what we did. The whole purpose of that when we brought that group together was what, what is our purpose? No one wants dead whales. That was it. It was no longer about any of us or who we stood for or our company or money or anything. And the co-papa was we had to be courageous and comfortable with disagreement. And only because of that, in two and a half years, we got a solution to what was one of New Zealand's largest conservation challenges. And for me, that's what we need to do now for the Gulf. Not, not in a, a month or a year or the next report. I'm sick of reading these reports that just go down, down, down. The only fully good piece of news was the brooders whales are no longer dying. So courageous conversations, it's, it's time to, to do that. You know, shake it off, stay away from the corners, come into the middle, be brave. Moana? Uh, kia ora. What I love about um, the Hauraki Golf, uh, Te Kapa Moana, Te Moana Nui Atoi, is that I put my feet in the water that my father did, and his father did, and his father, and so on, back, back, back. So many generations that I feel that I'm a part of, I'm a part of that, that's in my heart, that's in my veins. Um, and what we can do more is very much what Michelle says, work together um, for, and be the voice of, uh, of the moana, um, because together we can make a difference. Nice. Kia ora koutou. What I love about the golf is that we're all so connected to it and it's all and it's so accessible from so many points and vantage points all around the golf. And in terms of 
what we can do for the Hauraki Gulf. I have to say this as Deputy Chair of the Environment and Climate Change Committee, but if we acted as if there is a climate emergency, every action that we would take would benefit um, the Hauraki Gulf. Um, so that's, that's what I'd like to see us all taking action with urgency. Kia ora. Okay. Uh, so, actually, I think we'll stay with you, um, and, and that brings up a good point. If we ask you to speak on behalf of Auckland Council, what are they doing for the Gulf? Thank you for that, Partai. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are so many people here from Auckland Council, and I do want to acknowledge my um, colleagues, my elected, the elected representatives and all the people on Auckland Council who are working hard for the Hauraki Gulf. There is a huge amount going on, especially around monitoring, around restoration, pest control, um, and being part of the contributing to the forum and providing a lot of resources for the forum. Um, I know there's a lot of people on council who really want to do a lot more as well. And I had one of my colleagues sitting behind me saying, here, here, to everything that the minister was saying. Um, so just things like around development, planning, um, getting it right so that we don't have all this contamination going into the Hauraki Gulf. That's, a huge role for council and um, there's, a, a, I think, a, a big commitment but a, a recognition that's a huge amount more that we need to do. Excellent. Uh, I'll, I'll keep, keep going down the line, uh, Andrew, and um, there's a lot of talk about uh, what we can do in the, in the science field to help the golf, but there's some really basic stuff where we can let some of the animals help the golf, and in particular what we could allow for the mussels to do if we could get them to replenish. Well, the mussels is a really interesting one. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Haraki Gulf used to have a, a, a massive mussel bed, nearly a thousand square kilometres, which is you know nearly the size of metropolitan Auckland, was carpeting the, the Haraki Gulf. And they're really important in terms of ecological processes, particularly uh, for uh, providing nursery areas for juvenile fishes. So a mussel bed typically has 10 times more juvenile fishes than, than areas without mussel beds. So um, getting those, although those mussel beds were fished out last century and they haven't returned. So, uh, you know, a major challenge and one that the forum has, has adopted is, is trying to put those beds back so that we can get all those ecological benefits and restore those fisheries benefits that, that mussel beds uh, provide for us. Yeah, and, and just to speak, to, I guess, to a positive story, the Revive Our Golf campaign, which are actually out there doing it, and they're, they're in fact, they're working in with commercial interests to take some of the green lip mussels that are unused and reseeding them into, into new beds. Yeah, absolutely. The aquaculture industry has been really uh, supportive. Uh, philanthropists have been really supportive in terms of taking mussels from mussel farms and working with scientists to figure out how we can put those mussel beds back and recreate some of those uh, huge ecological benefits that they provide for, for the Hauraki Gulf. Um, and I'm really optimistic that we, we're going to uh, figure out how to make it happen on, on that kind of scale. That's, that's the big challenge, is getting it up to 1,000 yes. square kilometres. Yeah, which yeah, would be magnificent. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Rochelle, let's, let's speak to the science of things now. I mean, are we ready for uh, events like climate change? We had parts of uh, the west coast of the South Island last year that were 6.4 degrees Celsius above average. And that's, I mean, any temperature shift like that in the ocean is massive to the life that's underneath it. Are we, are we ready for climate change happening out here in the Gulf? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, 
I think we're in quite a lot of denial about climate change. You know, when you, when you talk to people um, about, oh, what an amazing summer, it was so warm and we swam and swam, and, and it, it was an amazing summer and we did swim and swim, and, you know, the past two summers where we've had the warm blob, it's the technical term for it, um, and, and the El Nino, which, you know, the big El Nino was at 2015-16. So what that meant is it got too warm for a lot of our plankton. We did a study, um, the Plankton to Poo project. I wanted to know what brooders whales were eating and so we collected their poo. But actually, it was really a plankton study. And um, we found using high-throughput gene sequencing technologies, these new fancy techs, that we have over 2,000 different types of zooplankton in the Gulf. There's more than that, but we identified over 2,000. Almost all of them have no name. We don't know what they are, that we know that they're roughly a wormy thing or a crunchy thing or a you know, slimy thing. Scientific terms. Yeah, scientific terms. Good. But really, I mean, it, it, even in science terms, we have no idea what they are other than their phylum, you know, right. which is, is really poor resolution. Um, but what we do know is that in the outer gulf, mid-gulf and inner gulf, so further Thames, Tiritiri Matangi and out by Jellicoe Channel, um, Hoturuwe, we have very different cohorts. And then by season, there are different cohorts. What we know in those warm years, it's too warm for a lot of those plankton and they move out even further. And why do I know that? Because the whales move out, because the whales eat zooplankton. And so the whale watch people, um, AWADS, uh, who are, have been hugely supportive of our research over the years, they've now got 19 years of data. And we recently analysed all of that data with temperature anomalies, which account for climate change. So variations around what we would normally expect. And the brooders whales and common dolphins are moving further out of the Gulf in those warm years already. Most of you don't know that and you don't see that because you're not out there. But those of you who pay attention even to your coastal life know that it's too warm. The mussels are too warm this, this summer. You know, and we talked about baking mussels. And those stressors are huge. So whilst we, um, our seabirds are protected on the islands, they have to, on warm years, they have to fly further to get their food. And there's a... Um, recent study, um, which has been really great, my colleague of mine, Brendan Dumphy's leading, and looking at little blue penguins. Little blue penguins live on the edge of life anyway. They are visual hunters. We all know them and love them. When we have big sediment runoff, which comes with big rains, which are coming more and more frequently with climate change, they can't see to hunt their prey. So they have to go further. If they have to go further, they're stressed and they can't find enough food. If they can't find enough food, they either can't make it back home or if they make it back home, they're not in condition either to lay an egg or to feed their chick. They die and or their chick dies. And this is happening right now, right here. So, you know, not only do our islands protect the seabirds, but if the food has moved too far for them to go, it doesn't matter how nice their home is, there's no kai, or the kai is too far for them. So that's happening right here, right now. And, and we need to kind of get our heads around that. Yeah, we really do. Riley, uh, you, as the youngest panellist here, I mean, this is grim listening uh, to hear some of this. I mean, what's the feedback that you get when you go into classrooms and you talk to young kids? Are they taking this sort of thing on board? Mm, yeah, um, yeah, that is horrible to hear. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's quite tricky. It's quite a tricky space to hold when you're going into primary schools because there's obviously stuff like that going on, but... For kids, we're bombarded with messages of the world ending and 
the world changing like that and all these creatures, yeah, it's, it's a lot to take in and I think at times it's too much. And so going into classrooms, I'm very um, careful with what I'm telling kids. And most of my stories are hope stories and I love that because I think we need that, especially as young people, we need um, good stories and things that make you want to go in the water and things that make you want to go protect and fall in love with these beautiful creatures and beautiful places. Um, but yeah, I do touch on things like that. Like one time I showed in my talk, I showed this picture of all this plastic that was found in the stomach of a turtle. And before I tell them what it is, I ask them, what do you think it is? And a lot of the times they're like, oh, seaweed or um, yeah, seaweed. And so I'm like, yeah, it looks like seaweed, but it's not. And um, they find out that it's plastic. And after one talk, I had a five-year-old come up to me and she just gave me a hug and then she just started crying. She was like, I don't want the animals to die. And I was like, me neither. Like, I want to cry now too. It was, it was horrible. So it's, it's really hard because you can't tell them everything because they're just going to get so overwhelmed they don't want to mm. do anything. And I've definitely felt like that too. And so, um, yeah, the response is kids nowadays, they care. They know what's going on and they want to make a difference. You know, it's, um, yeah, the response we get back is insane. So I've got to be careful with everything yes, I say. <laughs> that fine balance. Yeah. We'll retain a little bit of hope in them. If I may, Clark. Yes. So, um, you know, kids are really, really resilient and I've had the absolute pleasure to meet the young people at Long Bay Primary School and they put a um, submission forward in June last year um, called Tangaroa and Tanifa. And so, you know, they're, they're open to receiving this information and they're the best conduits. You want anything done? Mm. Get a bunch of kids to do it because they're so passionate. They really don't care what other people are going to come back and say to them because they're going to go gung-ho anyway. And they've got their own little TV channel. Um, and they are really committed to making a difference um, in their little communities. They're pushing for an extension of the um, the Okura Marine Reserve. And, you know, they, these are really, really young people that are out there doing a whole bunch of really, really great stuff. So they're resilient. Yes. I mean, as we know, kids were the ones that helped parents flip over to recycling and to stop smoking. And if you can permeate and do what you're doing, Riley, and help that come through the households, then, then that is uh, fantastic work. Look, I am conscious of time, so we are gonna start opening the floor up to questions. If you have a question, please raise your hand and we will um, bring a microphone to you. Uh, also, Slido is up and in action and people are sending questions through slido.com. Uh, what was the hashtag? HGMP, there it is, up on the board. And as soon as I get the pin number in here, it says incorrect pin, how can that be? <laughs> I'm too excited, I put too many zeros. Right, um, and so actually we'll, we'll stay, stay with you Moana, or if anyone wants to jump in and ask, answer this question, um, has, this is from Mark Bellingham, has the customary knowledge of the tangata whenua been cast aside for short-term science? Should Matarangi Māori lead the recovery of the Gulf? Oh, I'm sure you'll get varying um, responses to that. And there are some, I think, tangata whenua that are working better with, um, with other agencies than, than other tangata whenua, but it really is about progressing that and taking the good stories and learning from those um, as we go forward with other kaupapa. Yeah, 
and I, I think the example of uh, popping a Rahui in, up in the Coromandel is a, a great collaborative example of, of things working well together. Uh, I'll run through another question here. This one's from Kat Davies. There's been a lot of talk about how the Gulf is degraded. How do we get action for restoration of the Hauraki Gulf? It's a pretty big, broad question. Just, just, just do it. I think this was marine protection. That, yeah, it's it's a big, broad question. I think we we covered it off before. Um, Suzanne writes, "What would it take to have more marine reserves like the one at Lee and the Hauraki Gulf Marine Park?" Um, I, I think one of the real challenges we have in New Zealand is that marine protected areas are the most strict definition of it, and that is the great strength in it. You go overseas and say marine protected area, and you tell them what we have in New Zealand, they're like, oh my, you know, because there are very few places that have this, and we need those. So the recent challenges have been put out for, you know, 30% by 2030. Um, as Minister Sage said, you know, we have... 0.3% of the waters of the Hauraki Gulf protected, and that is shameful. It is shameful. And so I, I think the thing is that all, not all protection needs to be fully no-take marine protected areas. Those are needed. They are actually critical, and there's lots of discussion and science and you know, work around that that's shown the benefit of those. But we also need other types, you know, Rahui, Mataitai, Taiapuri, these are all models that exist within our our system that are incredibly valuable and flexible and they also fit in with that, mm. you know, the, the approach that Tangata Whenua have around, you know, governance, protection, management, kaitiaki of our oceans. And so I think we need to have more broad conversations about it instead of it just being fully no-take MPAs. And yes. That's the only way we can start to move forward. And I, I, I guess yeah, marine protected areas are an easy thing to think of. Oh, great, we protected this area. But the problem is, is that fish and the life within do not understand the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And by simply putting in a marine protected area, you don't change the fishing pressure at all. You just move it out. Um, the crayfish in the Lee Marine Reserve are a perfect example of that. It's been marine reserve for, what, close to 40 years now, and the crayfish numbers have all plummeted there because crayfish don't keep still. They like to wander. In fact, they like to go out and hunt shellfish at night. Uh, and so they end up getting caught. And so we can lull ourselves into a false sense of security with uh, what we think of as a marine, oh, this is great, we put this marine reserve in, but until we find a way to reduce the fishing pressure to let things bounce back as a whole, then that's how it, you know, I believe that we can see a real difference. Um, oh, it's in what you want yeah, to get I'd really love to see a shift um, around waste. I think, you know, we put all these rules in place, but, but we waste so much food and um, there, I think there, there needs to be some more control around how much catch there is and then how much wastage there is. Um, I have a question here that might be directed at you, Pippa. Accessing the Hauraki Gulf beyond mainland beaches is expensive, writes Vaughan. How do we provide easier access to places like Turi, Rangitoto, etc., for people who don't have the finances? That's a brilliant part. I don't know if I have an easy question to that one, but an answer to that one. But um, well. <laughs> Um, it would be awesome if we could be um, able to subsidise more the ferries, um, where it's kind of they're now they're now costed more as a tourist destination than as a they're not commuter routes. 
Um, so it's very hard for Auckland Council to come up with subsidies, but there must be ways that we can partner with agencies that want to get more people out into the Hauraki Gulf. So that one, I would love to hear ideas about what we could do as a council to be able to make the, the Hauraki Gulf more accessible. I know just in little ways, there's things like, um, like when I was on the local board, we were just being asked to put in more um, accessible ramps into the, the Gulf, so it was easier to get smaller boats in, in, into the um, water, and that was just something that could be done and funded locally as well. Yeah. There's plenty of boaties who would argue that there's still not enough rounds yeah. <laughs> doing the rounds. Yeah, you're right. And, and also, I guess, through connecting people to, to the ocean, that's when they really start to care about what it is under the water. So it makes everyone's life a little bit easier. And, and I should just acknowledge that there are lots of um, groups that are already taking students out into the Gulf and getting people out there who are doing a lot of that work and getting volunteers out there. So I think it is probably a partnership approach that we can work on. Do we have any questions from the floor? Just I've been staring at the screen. We do. Uh, and do we have a microphone there, sir, or do we have a big loud voice? There we go. Here comes one. Hello, is this? I just turn on. Kia ora. I'm Ian Burrows. I'm chair of the Haraki Gulf Conservation Trust. Um, Waiheke was omitted from sea change initially. Uh, it was left to the community to come up with a plan. Apparently, Waiheke was a bit too uh, feisty to get incorporated. This is now happening through the Waiheke Collective in partnership with Mana Whenua under the Waiheke Marine Project. We're running a future search event on the first weekend in May and then report to the MAC. We want Wahiki and Auckland fisher folk to put up their hands to participate, participate, ugh, can't even say it, participate and have a voice. How best do we do this? Because they seem incredibly reluctant to come forward and have their say. Maybe that's one for you, Clark. Oh, I don't know if that is one for me, to be completely honest. Uh, I mean, Pepper or Moana, can you talk more to the process of that? What was your actual question? The question is, how do we get fisher folk to come and join in a discussion about protecting the waters around Waiheke? Because they need to have a say. Invitation first. Um, but I've, in speaking to some of the people involved in that project, they seem very enthused and excited about the number of people that they have um, already engaged. And I'm sure that they will... Um, leave the doors open to anybody else that's um, willing to participate. Um, the Outdoor Boating Club have been really, really amazing at being um, available and engaging in conversations um, out there in the Hauraki Gulf. Um, I think it's really about just making sure that the doors stay open and that the communication um, channels are, are always open for everybody to um, be involved. Does that answer your question? Does that answer your question? Right. It would be more interesting to know more about, um, I guess, the proposals in place as, as to what you want to do and, and the goals that you're hoping to achieve out there. Right. Fantastic, thank you. Um, we have another question just down here. Um, I read in that the seawall um, in the harbour was being lifted a whole metre in order to cope with sea level rise. And this is utterly inadequate. If you, I'm a scientist, I read reports, and everything is starting to accelerate. Every time I read a report, it says, this is happening so much faster 
than we had expected. So we're going to see big sea level rises. We need to do things like how are we going to protect Britomart um, against sea level rise? I love the electric trains, they're absolutely fantastic. Are we going to develop Fanuapai as an alternative um, airport as Auckland International Airport disappears under the waves? Because it's, it, it's runways only a metre above King High Tide. So it really is a climate change emergency and there are big questions that needed to be asked. We'll leave that, yeah, Pippa, you're happy to leave that just as a comment and, and a valid comment that it uh, is. And yeah, and, and I particularly enjoy reading some of the, the historical records of how far inshore the coastal waters used to be, you know, down at uh, the bottom of Franklin Road where the, where the estuary used to be and they had um, issues of typhoid when um, black market sacks of oysters were hidden in basements that used to flood uh, through Queen Street before um, that reclamation took place. And so if it was taken that way, you're right, it could easily come back um, the other way. Uh, is there anyone else that would like to add anything or add uh, further comment to anything that we've spoken about so far? Padding time here because my fat fingers are struggling with the screen that keeps locking. And we've got some more questions from the audience. Fantastic. There's a question just here. Uh, kia ora tato, and thank you for all the work that's been put into this. I love the video. I guess for me, as like a member of the public, I'm thinking, you know, we recycle our plastic bags, we pick up rubbish as fast as we can do anything. Um, Auckland Council is approving a consent for a marina on Waiheke. Um, ports of Auckland are, are trying to get through a dredging consent. Um, what can we do, what can Auckland Council do to actually support the things that we as people want for the Gulf? Um, and how can we affect that change through the Hauraki Gulf Forum and your work as councillors on the Environment Committee? Thank you, um, Sharon, for that question. Um, as the new chair of the um, new co-chair of the Hauraki Gold Forum, we've had a very historic moment on the forum, and in, in that we're moving ahead with co-chairs, and so we're a brand new forum coming together. I'd like to acknowledge the former members and the the new forum representatives. So we're only just coming together now and moving ahead. But one thing I did just want to um, mention is that we had an induction um, and we were introduced to the Act, the Hauraki Golf Park Act, by Graham Campbell, who's here tonight, who wrote it. And he said to us that we must think of a forum as a verb and not as a noun, because we should be a doing forum. We should be doing the work, doing the engagement, doing the um, advocacy and getting things done. And I think that we all came together with a very common focus that that is the way we need to go forward. Um, so I did just want to thank Graham for, for sort of sowing that seed. And he also said that we actually have a lot more powers in the Act that we're not using and that his big bit of advice was that we should know our act and know our powers. So I know that's not directly answering your question, but I did just want to use that question just to be able to give a bit of a signal about where I think the forum is going to be going 
and that we're very, very uh, committed, I think, as we come together. We, um, we're we're going to have an announcement soon about who will be the, the both of the co-chairs going forward and what we are going to be focused on. But I know it's going to be about actually... Um, it's going to be about the forum as a verb and being um, very proactive. So watch this space. Is that your way of saying the teeth will go into the mouth of the shark? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Excellent. Hope Moana, you feel that. Yeah, <laughs> um, we've probably got time for maybe just a couple more questions and then we will wrap things up. There's a question here I'll just sort of um, summarise and maybe we could just run down the panel and talk to it. So many people uh, are working in the Gulf with it being so big things get missed. What single problem should we fix that isn't being done already? What do you think is the most pressing uh, issue, something that sort of raises a flag I guess in your mind? Moana, you're looking away. Rochelle, you're looking confident so I'll start with you if you like. <laughs> I was trying to decide which one to pick. Uh, yeah. um, uh, I pick fishing. Um, anyone who extracts anything. Yeah, it, it's, that same, it's not commercial versus recreational. It's not finfish versus shellfish. It's fishing. We all need to just tie hoa and just, you know, take a bit less. Think about, think about what you're doing. Think about what you're taking. That is, I think, one of the, the single biggest threats. Moana, it's right there. You can push play on the, the what's the thing? I think really it is around um, education and, and, and encouraging people to have a relationship with the ocean and with the environment so that they, can, they feel connected um, from the heart and from the head and um, so that they've got something at stake. Um, we often say, you know, look, if we think of uh, the ocean... Uh, te Whanau Tangaroa, as Minister Sage spoke, they are, he is the child of Ranginui and Papa Tuanuku. And if we were to look after our own children, um, or we want people to look after our children as we will take care of uh, Ranginui and Papa Tuanuku's children, we have to have a relationship um, so that there is something at stake. Fantastic, thank you. <laughs> Riley? You could do anything tomorrow. Was, what would you do? Oh, I was going to say, um, just getting the word out there. It's kind of similar, but um, yeah, getting the word out there. Like, it's the 20th anniversary. It's been 20 years, and a vast majority of Aucklanders don't even know exactly where the Hodaki Gulf Marine Park is. And um, we want to change that, but also it's just, I don't know, especially for kids, um, educating kids so that they can take these stories home to their parents and um, create change through that way, because... As my dad likes to say, you know, you always listen to your kids, even if you change to stop them from nagging. You know, you, you know, you just kids targeting kids like that, and I don't know, educating anyone in that way. But I think, yeah, what we're doing with kids is going to change a lot as well. Just getting the word out there and making people aware and a connection. That's what Fantastic, thank you, uh, Andrew. Um, I'm with Rochelle on the fisheries front. Um, I think you know one of the points that the report highlights is that rock lobsters are functionally extinct in Hauraki Gulf. Uh, you know that's a you know the we talk about the quota management system being a world leading system. I just the two things don't match up to me at all. So there's something fundamentally wrong, and we need to sort that out and put it right. And the Hauraki Gulf is a good place to do it. 
there's a lot of goodwill there and uh, yes there's some interest groups there but they've been hurt by uh, having a population crash people have lost their livelihoods their families are hurting because of their lost income uh, recreational fishers aren't enjoying their experience but worst of all we're seeing uh, kelp forests being devastated by uh, kinna uh, population explosion and that's creating a whole new legacy and I just don't want to be uh, seeing my kids trying to work out how to put kelp forests back in the same way that I'm trying to work out how to put the um, mussel beds back. And Pepper. I attended this afternoon um, the media stand up with the minister and two of the authors of the report and it was, I mean it really is very, very dire what is in here in a lot of ways and one thing that the um, Shane said was that really hit home to me is that he said that a lot of the negative changes that have happened in the Gulf are irreversible I mean and that is just really tragic but he did say and I'm a politician so I'm you know can't do a quick one word answer on this one but he did say that um, we can decide the future and we've got to act quickly and that's just absolutely what it's all about that we we absolutely have to act and what the report one of the key messages in the report is that we've put the in the, on the ledger of development versus the environment we have been putting too much weight on development and extraction and pollution now is the time to focus on the environment and on the Hauraki Gulf and its health Thank you, Pepper. And with that comment, I think that you're going to be a, a wonderful co-chair of the Haraki Forum. Uh, I look forward to uh, the years ahead. Uh, wonderful um, baseline that has been established, Moana, through those uh, six reports to help us sort of ascertain a better picture of, of what's going on. Rochelle, thank you so much for speaking so um, passionately and with detail, which is what I like and respect. <laughs> Uh, it, as to things that are going on, because it's, you know, you were the one out there with your sleeves rolled up that actually gets down and counts all the curly, squiggly things that, <laughs> as of yet, have no name. Uh, fascinating. Um, and of course, Riley, if you haven't seen Riley and what she's done with Young Explorers, it's, it's just such a wonderful resource. Um, they've put out a great book, and the work that they do going into schools is uh, so important into the future. It's nice to have you um, back in New Zealand and, and doing that. Um, thank you. Andrew, for uh, enlightening us as to, you know, and, and just framing so well the, um, I mean, it's that ripple effect, it's that totality. If you knock something out, what is the downstream effect of um, what happens in our ocean, taking out the crayfish, having the kinnebaran explode, losing our kelp forest, what hides in the kelp forest, what eats them, you know, the whole um, ecology of things can collapse and tip over so um, easily. And thank you, Pippa, for, for being here, for representing Auckland Council and, um, you know, uh, having that sort of sense of optimism and um, teeth in, in the bite of the shark to uh, try and attempt to do the difficult task of tackling some of these jobs. And uh, as we sort of look forward and, and say, let's see you back here in 20 years and see how we've got on and see what we can reverse. And hopefully it's more than um, just the plight, the wonderful plight of the um, brooders whales, which are resident here in the Gulf. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to invite you to thank our panelists here this evening.
A big thanks uh, to our sponsors. Thanks, of course, to the, the staff and uh, this wonderful facility. This is the perfect, beautiful location here at the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron. I've got two little things to uh, mention before I end. Um, this is the start of a celebration of 20 years of the Hauraki Golf being a, a marine park, uh, obviously, and there are lots of events to look forward to, um, events like Dave's wonderful poster that is now available to take home, but two events that are coming up, uh, this is, uh, this looks amazing, the Auckland Philharmonia have commissioned an orchestral piece on the Hauraki Gulf, and they, they have really uh, immersed themselves in this, in fact the composer went and spent several nights on Tiritiri Matangi to really get under the skin of the place and to come up with this piece. Now they will be doing a series of three uh, free concerts as part of the Auckland Philharmonia's education and outreach team, uh, and I, the details of which are you are all invited. The theme of the concert is water and features music inspired by water from around the planet. The APO is also delighted to present the world premiere of the orchestral piece that I have just uh, mentioned, written by composer Ryan Ewans, performed at these concerts. The first of these is on the 9th of May at the Auckland Town Hall. You're encouraged to come along and bring your whanau. Uh, the second thing I'd like to mention is a Sustainable Business Network's Gift to the Golf event as part of the anniversary celebrations. It will take place in the Takutai Square in Britomart during lunchtime on Thursday to 26th of March. A heap of activities for local business people and passers-by to enjoy in their lunch break and at the same time discover some of the ways they can help restore our wonderful but vulnerable Hauraki Golf Tikapa Moana. That is all free as well. Um, all right, and I mean, there's just a couple of lists here. We, we did, we've sort of talked in big ethereal ideas about the uh, the the wants and the need to do better by our golf. But there are some simple ways and things to think about as we leave here this evening. Use reusable coffee cups. You know, things as simple as that. Those annoying little plastic lids. I know um, turn up in all sorts of um, uh, rubbish. Um, tallies when they go through and work out what's been going out and to see. Uh, obviously, reusable drink bottles. It's, the it's those annoying little caps that end up going down into the gutter and getting washed out and they end up inside our birds and marine life out in the Gulf, causing them all sorts of problems. And wash your car on the grass. Stop all the pollutants and contaminants that have built up on your vehicles from going down into the drains and then can't be processed as they go through the filtration system and then are ultimately passed back out into the water. Put them on the grass. If you're going for a walk on the beach, take a bag, pick up some rubbish. It's really as easy as that. If you're an active fisher and you enjoy the golf, come home with more rubbish than you take. It's so simple. You see something floating on the surface, slow down, pick it up uh, and bring it home. Be net positive uh, in that action when you're out there enjoying the water. Uh, it gives me a great pleasure now to, to wrap things up, to say thank you, to say that this will be available online on the Auckland Conversations website where you can catch up with this and find links to other information that's been mentioned here. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming along this evening and good night. You've been listening to the podcast of Auckland Conversations, brought to you by Auckland Council and our sponsors Jib and Resine. For more information, visit our website, conversations.aucklandcouncil.govt.nz. Auckland Conversations is proudly produced by Tandem Studios. 